All right, go ahead. All right, Dutch, lead us. So we'll read it together, okay? As a patriot of faith, I attest my allegiance first and foremost to the kingdom of God and the Great Commission. Secondly, I agree to be a watchman over our nation concerning its people and their rights for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Whereas we, the church, are God's governing body on the earth, whereas we have been given legal power from heaven and now exercise our authority, whereas we are God's ambassadors and spokespeople over the earth, whereas through the power of God we are the world influencers, whereas because of our covenant with God we are equipped and delegated by Him to destroy every attempted advance of the enemy. We make our declarations. We decree that America's executive branch of government will honor God and defend the Constitution. We decree that our legislative branch, Congress, will write only laws that are righteous and constitutional. We decree that our judicial system will issue rulings that are biblical and constitutional. We declare that we stand against wokeness, the occult, and every evil attempt against our nation. We declare and we now take back our God-given freedoms according to our Constitution. We declare that we take back influence at the local level in our communities. We decree that we take back and permanently control positions of influence and leadership in each of the seven mountains. We decree that the blood of Jesus governs and protects our nation. It protects and separates us from God. We declare that our nation is energy dependent. We declare that America is strong spiritually, financially, militarily, and technologically. We decree that evil carries no power, authority, or rights in our land or over our people. We decree that we will operate in unity, going beyond denominational lines in order to accomplish the purposes of God for our nation. And we decree that America shall be saved. We know this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. We know the truth, therefore we stand for truth and will never be deceived. We will never stop fighting. We will never, ever, ever give up or give in. We will take our country back. We will honor the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. America shall be saved. Now give it praise. Wow. I like that. Do you like that?
All right, fam. Ooh-wee. Um, if you're not uh at least mildly concerned by that uh uh <laughs> that little uh ushering in, if you will, of a um I don't even know what you want to call it. This really prayer they they call it a prayer declaration. Um I, I, I don't even I can't even get my head around that. I mean if if you're not at least mildly uh concerned that, that that's a problem whoo fam i don't even know what to tell you man that yo that is like whoo wee did you did you listen to that go back go on back and listen to that again right uh, i tried to clean the audio up i know that was a recording of a recording but nevertheless uh again this came from the instagram uh account black coffee uh with white friends they got a lot of good resources out there big shout out to what they're doing um on that site if you don't follow them already please do please support them they got a couple of great good uh a resource and they got links to books and like links to 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 you know what white parents should be talking about with their white children a lot of good stuff and merchandise over there, so I would highly recommend it. Quietodgepodcast.com. Go ahead and click on the uh, the uh, show notes, uh, and you have full access there. Um, yeah. So this is this is the white nationalism that I that I think so many of us have been saying for so long that has existed, and now there's no shame about it, right? There are there's no. There, there's no one who is is like, oh, we, what do we have to be afraid of, right? <laughs> it's just uh, they're emboldened now. Um, this is present in any evangelical church. That's why I refuse to be a part of any evangelical. I mean, because this ideology is in there. It is like cancer. It is spread. It's in the walls. It's in the goddamn pews. It's in the in the songs that you be singing and stuff, man. I'm telling you, especially if y'all still referring to Jesus in the in the he pronoun, right? <laughs> mercy oh i already see some head shaking right now um i know i know i know it's a lot it's a lot religion is deep it goes into a deep psyche and where, where we believe and what we think of as the afterlife right um as humans we you know we've had a lot of notions and myths around what happens after we die uh and so i get it it's powerful it, it, it can stick with you it can be you know, embedded into a lot of different areas. So I, I, I don't want to knock that. I'm just simply saying, I think we got to put the brakes on some things and be like, whoa, what, 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 what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> what, what is, what is happening here? Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, that's, that went down, that went down. Um, I, I tell you, um, I don't know. And and uh, the caption underneath that, again, from Black Coffee with White Friends, says that just as toxic and deadly are the white churches who would never do anything like this in their church, yet refuse to speak out in Jesus' name against nationalism, patriotism, racism, and anti-blackness. Yes, anti-wokeness is a thousand percent racist and anti-black, right? And so we got to begin to realize some of these things, fam, of where we get our stuff, how we buy it, um you know ivp is giving me my 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 book back uh homeland insecurity right they done fumbled that you know whole thing and uh especially when they let go of my uh the great editor that i've ever worked with uh, dave Condon, who dr dave Condon, who's been on the show you know for writing a book they didn't agree with they fired that fool i spoke out against it right and then you know they it, it's a long story 
And I don't want to get sidetracked here. My point in saying is, is that I'm taking that book back. I want to take the rights from that. Um, and, and I'm fine if they don't want to associate with me. I don't want to associate with any evangelical organization, you know, as well. Um, so I, that's fine. You know, this feeling is mutual on a different episode. I will, I'll get more into that. But my point is saying is that I think we got to reclaim, especially those of us who are authors and speakers is re begin to reclaim some of this narrative because so many of us are out there doing stuff, but we are disjointed. We're fragmented. Uh, and because, right, you know, the white system is only giving us pieces, you know, at oftentimes and because so much of our, our livelihood depends on, right, you got to pay mortgage, you got kids, you, you school, you got bills, right? Everything's going up. So it's like we hop it doing certain things, knowing damn well that, that man, like, do I really want to be doing this and stuff, man? So I don't know. People talked about this like decades ago about how, you know, people of color, you know, who are speakers, writers, authors, influencers. And I get that the Internet has democratized a lot of that. I get that people are on, on that uh, and, and, you know, different social media, you know, spaces. I You know, people were just talking about how we can organize and come together. I don't even know that's possible. Um, I don't I really don't even know what's possible moving forward um, because there is a lot of shit on the table. And it's difficult to try to kind of get, you know, your mind around the amount of shit that is out there, fam, and the amount of shit that exists um, currently <laughs> that is currently being drudged up. I mean, think about, you know, the people who were at this conference um, and were saying this pledge. I mean, people are like rip roaring and like, whoa, yeah, yeah, that's right. I love it. I love it. You know, USA, USA. Woo! What do you think comes behind that? And as a black person, I already have some worldviews behind that. When I start hearing that or like, yeehaw, all that shit, all that shit comes with a lot of baggage. There is no neutrality when people start saying that shit, especially in a religious environment like that. After somebody just gave all these decrees, dangerous stuff, fam. I said this on Monday. Uh, in the series, which by the way, <laughs> welcome to Profane Faith. Here it is. We're continuing our series on the fallout of Roe v. Wade. But all of this comes back to, like I was mentioning on Monday, Christian worldview and the crap that goes into that. Um, so I, yeah, I got some problems. I got some real problems with, with this, been having problems with this. Uh, I think for a lot of us, we would see this in different pockets and be like, hey, that ain't right. And people, no, 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 that's not what it is. No, no, that's just what it is. I, you know, you're just making things up. And now it's just, again, people don't have no shame. There's no shame about it. It's like, shit, we can, we can do whatever the fuck we want, right? We're doing it in God's name. I said this on Monday. If people are convinced that this is God's work, who's to stop them, right? I'll go blow something up. I'll go kill somebody all in God's name. This is the power of religion, fam. You know, no different than somebody, you know, on, on a, in a different religious environment. Islam, Buddhist, Sikhs, doesn't matter, right? Who says, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go kill people in the name of my God. Right? You know, after 9-11, we wanted to demonize Islam. And ever since 9-11, I've been saying, I was like, look, Christianity is, is in the same realm. Christianity has the same amount of blood, if not more, on their hands. Oh, no, you're talking about Christianity. This isn't the right religion. This is woo-woo. Fam. Oh, man. So if this is your first time listening, uh, welcome to the show. 
this is the last part in our series uh, looking at the fallout of Roe v. Wade. I got my guest, Irene. Uh, she's like a regular contributor on Profane Face. She's been on the show so many times. I'll put her last episode in the show notes, and then you can backtrack from there because I know on that show I have the other links to her, the times on the show, and she just does amazing work. And I uh, gave her a text um, online, and I was just, well, you know, I, I sent her a shout out online, and you know, she was arguing with somebody. I was like, man, don't be, don't be wasting your energy on these fools, man. In regards to Roe v. Wade, and you know, and life, and God is very clear about when life starts. I'm like, yeah, and that nigga took out about, you know, <laughs> you took, well, he took out what all of humanity except Noah's and his freaky ass family in that goddamn boat and shit, man. So. All I'm saying, man, you know Moses was, admit, you know what I'm saying? Or Noah was freaky. Well, Moses was too. Shit. Uh, but uh, you know Noah, man. Shit. That nigga, got, as soon as he got off the boat, man, that nigga was, was uh, naked and drunk and dick all out, man. You imagine how nasty that is. And then got the nerve to curse one of his uh, sons for trying to help clothe him, man. What kind of shit is that? Nevertheless um yeah god is real clear on life right you know follow me or i'm about to kill your asses which is very interesting right to see jesus who says well, hold up hold up um uh, let's all uh, think about this a little bit so irene is coming down and uh i have irene kind of anchoring this because she opens up broader to really the effects of this fallout i ain't giving away throwing out the baby with the bathwater you just got to listen to the end and she really gets into some good shit there uh, so I wanted her to anchor us. If you haven't heard the other uh, uh, four episodes, three episodes, excuse me. Uh, again, those links are in the show notes. Or if you're listening to this on any kind of podcasting app or platform, uh, I'm sure you can just go back into the last um, three episodes and check out what others have been talking about in regards to, the, again, the fallout of Roe v. Wade, because this is much bigger. And I know it isn't so much in our media you know sites right now because you know the media cycle tends to churn everything out in nine to ten days and then we move on to something different right um but this thing is still very much here and there's a lot going on that people don't even know about so we're going to continue to talk about roe v wade uh and how that connects with religion spirituality and just really the mess that we find ourselves in today um so yes check that out um, and uh, if you've been following the series and following faithfully, thank you. And I appreciate that. Uh, subscribe. If you like this podcast, please support. You can support me. A lot of people have asked, like, you need to have a Patreon or anything. I don't have a Patreon, but you can support me by following, uh, subscriptions, uh, all those things. We're on Twitter, uh, SoundCloud, you know, whatever platform you're on, all those things help. It helps the algorithms. It helps all of that thing. You know, anytime you retweet something, like it, all those things feed the data, the big data uh, machine, and it, it, it helps, you know, kind of move things along. So I would appreciate that uh, if you could do that. Uh, maybe someday I'll get a Patreon. <laughs> In the meantime, check out Irene and my conversation. Um, uh, she gets, puts a really good spin on it and, and breaks some stuff down. So I always appreciate her review. Hi, right, fam. Stay strong, stay safe. Yeah. So, if you, um, yeah, if you want to go go ahead into it, I hit record, so we're, we're good. Oh, okay, we're good, we're starting. I mean, you know, first of all, I always love being here um, just to have this raw space to share um, because I, I feel that my main dominant mode is anger. Yeah. <laughs> like, enraged anger. Um, you know, and it's, 
It's interesting being on this side of the age bracket. I'm entering into my perimenopausal stage and, you know, there's a certain element that this doesn't impact me as greatly um, as it would, as it does for any woman who's younger or any person who's younger. Um, But, you know, just reflecting on the last 30 years, I'm like, I think the thing that makes me the most angry is how not progressed the church has been, right? Mm. I mean, I grew up in evangelicalism. I was in front of pregnancy clinics. I've done run for, you know, um, the the whole anti-abortion piece of it. I've raised money. I've taught things, right? Like Mm. I was part of that group 30 years ago where Mm. I had a friend she was going to abort her, her, you know, fetus and did meet somebody at a pregnancy health clinic. She was past her first trimester. Um, so she had to back then, again, this is 30 years ago, um, do the procedure where she had to put salts um, up her, you know, uterus in order oh. to dissolve the fetus. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and so the the medical field has advanced in the way that they've been able to treat women in a safer way. Um, and she, she ended up not aborting the fetus because it was too painful. The process, she was like, this was absurd. And she was 17 and decided to, you know, go ahead and, and have the child. And it turned out, yes. I mean, it was, great and a blessing and the her daughter was beautiful and and all of that so we had that case study right um in my own personal sphere Mm -hmm. and so she was really the one who influenced me a lot on why on the whole being Mm anti-abortion but it still didn't sit well with me because she's one in x amount of cases right like there are so many stories we hear on the other side and you know i for me too, like I saw a post yesterday about a woman who said she herself is still anti-abortion, but that doesn't mean that she has any right to take away the choice for other women. And that's the greatest frustrating point for me. Like do, if you want to do the work of counseling women and helping them not, you know, have an abortion, like I understand all of that and I respect that viewpoint, right? I probably more in that camp than than any other than the other camp. But it's the fact that there's being so controlling and so adamant that their way is the only way without any of the other support is what is pissing the bejesus out of me, right? Yeah. Like that there is no element of talking about universal health care, talking about implementing maternity leave and paternity leave, implementing increasing livable wages, talking about stabilizing housing, talking about, you know, just like all the parts by which you would provide actual support for women to choose to have a child is so absurd to me. The hypocrisy of that, I can't handle it. The, The whole element that there, that abortion isn't just about the inconvenience of it all, that there are women who have, there are thousands of women who have stories by which they would have died if there was no allowance for an abortion. 
the story that just came out about the Ohio 10-year-old who had to drive across state lines. Thank God she had um, means to travel across state lines. There, like a lot of girls don't have that ability and have that privilege. And so, like, you know, we're talking about a really complex you know, a complex issue that if you really want to decrease abortions, like then do the work, get actual shit done to decrease abortions. And that's, I think, the greatest part that is pissing me off. Like I was fighting with so many Christians, which you (laughs) very much said, you know, (laughs) like conserve your energy, but it's that, and it's, it's not even like white, evangelicals right Right, i mean this is a very like across the board poc evangelicals who have also eaten up this narrative of like the saving the baby gosh like oh the fetus like jumped in the womb of you know in you know and that's like a sign that it's an actual baby disregarding context disregarding like jewish like rabbis and synagogues right now are trying to sue state laws Um, because they are like adamant that this is um, unacceptable. And I'm like, how can you, and the fact that they, like when I'm arguing with Christians that Jesus is Jewish, therefore he would totally be fine with abortions. (laughs) And they like, the the gymnastics of like jumping around that and just not being able to take that in. I don't know, like, this is the thing. I don't know what to do with it, you know? And yeah. And like, I mourn for the church, the unwillingness to see how change is needed, the unwillingness to learn, the unwillingness, the stubborn unwillingness, which is so reflective of the religious leaders at that time. Um, you know, it's that's the thing that I think is is most heartbreaking for me, that the church is going to lose membership, is losing membership. And I'm at this point where I'm like, may everybody exit out of the church because the church is not doing the thing that it needs to do. And I'm not saying that there aren't progressive churches, amazing churches out there doing great community work. Um, But the percentage is so small in comparison to the rest of what is now the monster that is, you know, the capitalistic monster that is the church with a capital C. And that incorporates all, not just evangelicals, but Catholics and, you know, like everybody who falls under that umbrella. Um, and, and it's just, I can't believe we're still at this place 30 years later. Right. And that, that these people have not grown and these aren't young people, right. These are older people who just refuse, refuse to take in information, refuse to learn, refuse to hear other people's stories, like Mm -hmm. just holding on to that one, one child that didn't end up getting aborted and was now adopted. And it's a great life. That one story, you know, like I could hold on to my one friend's story because I have a personal connection to somebody who has a success story about her not getting an abortion and disregarding all the thousands of other stories that exist out there. That's the thing I think that's so frustrating for me. Um, And the, the, the inability for these Christians to, hold the nuance and hold all of the the liminal areas of dealing with this issue and making it so black and white, you know, um, it, I think, yeah, all of that is, is just enraging me. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think, no, you bring up some really good points. I mean, 
one of the themes that, you know, that, that comes up a lot, particularly for those who study theology and just study aspects of how particularly the Christian faith has, has come about, um, is that, you know, God, you know, the people say, oh, well, God is love and God, you know, is pro-life. And I'm like, I don't know if God is pro-life because God, you know, if like, especially if we're looking at God right in the, in the he pronoun sense, it's like this, this nigga went out and, and, and killed his son. Like, you know, it was just like, yeah, we're <laughs> killing y'all motherfuckers. Um, and in the Old Testament, of course, we know that there's all kinds of shit, right? Of just him going in, uh, again, using he in the in the in the in the, in the, um, the masculine pronouns, is you know just taking people out. I mean, like in everything, like cats, dogs, the bugs, the cicadas, all of that shit, man. Like kill them all. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, how have you navigated some of those arguments? And you know whether they be in person, whether they be online, um, because I know a lot of them are happening online, which is why I keep posting memes because I'm just like I, I just don't have time anymore to, to to go have those conversations online. So yeah, I mean, and because I mean, it, it it doubles then like if people if we're still here 30 years later, and 30 years is a long time for those of you who haven't lived that long or like oh my god I'm 20 years old and I'm listening to this it's like no that's, that's <laughs> That 30 years is a long time. Like seriously, I'm thinking like, wow, the LA uprisings happened 30, 30 plus years ago now. Like this yep, is, this yep. is, and I, it, and just some crazy shit. And the fact that we're still here yet, we continue to evolve our technology, right? It's like, we continue to evolve yep. facial recognition software. Our iPhones keep having to get updated every week. Uh, you know, it's like the fact that we can do this type of stuff right here, Music has become more democratized, making vi movies has become more democratized, but yet we are still in the 19th century when it regards women's bodies. Right. And that like groups have fought for 50 years to get back to like reverting back. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, a, that's the, there are double elements of the church being in its stubbornness of refusing to advance and and especially women who are are continually you know advancing this this archaic narrative when it's harming them and then you know the whole controlling women like i mean how many men have been demanding that they not be having the mask imagine oh. if men were told that they had to have vasectomies Imagine if anything, any remote element by which a man's body would need to be controlled, they would cry, cry bloody murder, right? Um, right, yes. And so that that this continual onus is and blame is put on women that we have to carry this burden that and then and to remove the burden and to remove the right to have ownership over our bodies, um, and. I, and I get like the, you know, again, if they're like concerned about lack of birthing because upper middle class and wealthy white people are not having as many babies, do something else aside from controlling women's bodies. Make it so that middle class people, because right now the middle class is awful. We just talked about, I was with a friend group yesterday and we we're talking about how it's not livable. There's no middle class that exists right now in the United States, right? Like it is so difficult. I'm technically middle class. I can't even barely manage with all of my income. And this is the most money I've been making in my whole entire nonprofit career. Right. And I barely can make it by. Right. Right. Um, right. And I'm still encroached with student debt. I have yep. credit cards. I'm in the red, almost like, you know, breaking even or in the red, like 
you know, trying to make it by and and have a decent life that is right. considered quote unquote middle class, right? Right. right. Um, but it's the well, it's the medical, it's the mm-hmm. livelihood, all the things that go into stuff that just does not allow for savings, that doesn't allow for advancement in that way. And so if I were to, if I was of the age where I could get pregnant, I would be so scared out of my life because mm. like adding a child to my expenses, oh. we, I don't even want to add a dog to my expenses. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And so just ca- calculating all that out is so crazy. And so like do something else that would help and motivate people to have more babies because there are a lot of people who want to have babies, you know, and and I just don't understand why they just think this is the route to go. Um, and, and all these people are just falling into that narrative. As far as, you know, like navigating the conversation of is God pro-life? I mean, you know, if I wanted to get all spiritual and do, and do the Christianese language, there is an element if you want to say and describe the way that we've been trained in theological studies of God's holiness, God being above, there's like, you know, even in my own spiritual experiences, which I've shared on this podcast, yeah, um, yeah. the enormity of, of God in all of its energy um, and, you know, power, et cetera, there's an aboveness that we might not be able to comprehend. Like, in the same way, I mean, this is why there are analogies of parent-child relationship in, in scripture, right? Because like, I'm sure a five-year-old thinks that their parent, when they say no or has control or whatever, thinks that that parent is cruel. Every parent would attest that it, their adolescent thinks that their parent is demonic and evil yeah. <laughs> to ruin yeah. their life, right? Um, and there's a there's an element that, of this aboveness of I, I can see the Mediterranean better than you and your 15 year old, 14 year old mind. And there is some truth to that element, right? So we can spiritualize it and say that God is above and so grand and so enormous that we can't comprehend why in these moments, he comes across to us as an asshole, comes across to us as cruel, comes to us across as as you know vicious Mm -hmm. um and inhumane and definitely anti-pro-life now if those people who want to try to claim you know who are anti-abortion or pro-birthing rather um want to you know claim that it's because god is pro-life then i'm gonna flip it over and say yeah god is pro-life in ways that not about controlling people's bodies there's nothing about jesus that is about controlling people's bodies, right? If anything, Jesus was very clear about the way of life that is elevating another human being and their autonomy and their power and their choice and their free will, right? Um, there are absolute ways by which God shows that that they are pro-life in the sense of advocating for the least and the lost, right? Advocating for marginalized communities, advocating for marginalized people. And so the fact that they're trying to interpret God's pro-lifeness as controlling and authoritarian um, rather than compassionate and giving is missing the mark in all ways, shape or form is, you know, what I would say. But God in the way that 
they come across as an asshole in the Bible is not the same as this authoritarian control that these people are trying to have. It's it's a misnomer. It's a disconnect. It's not a clean analogy, right? Yeah. It's not a one-to-one ratio. Um, and I know for time's sake, like we can't really dive into that, but that's, I think it's completely, it's an inaccurate argument that, that quote unquote pro-lifers who are not actually pro-lifers, they're just control freaks. I mean, we should, we really need to come up with a different name because they're pro-control really. They're pro-birthing, they're pro-whatever. I don't even think that they're pro-birthing. I wouldn't say that because they don't really care about the birth. They don't care about any healthcare to have a safe birth. They just want you to carry to term. So pro-carry to term or whatever. Once you're in the hospital about to go into labor, you're on your own. I mean, yeah. the moment the labor pains start, you're on your you're own. You're on your own. That's Hospital it. Hospital bills, everything, like baby formula, you're on your own. So the moment the birthing process starts, you're on your own. Um, and so I don't even, I don't even consider them to be pro-birthing. Like I just consider them to be pro-controlling. That's a great point. Uh, Cause it's not lost on me that, you know, those same, you know, GOP members who were talking about pro-life, you know, voted against, you know, this whole baby formula, like the shortage and everything. I mean, it's just right. like, and they continue to, to vote against anything that would actually help. Right. Particularly mothers, uh, right. single parents uh, right. just survive in this, in this economy. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. I think that there's a sense of that. I mean, and I've said a long time, like, you know, People can criticize Muslim nations, Islamic nations that are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe these women are covered up and, you know, they can't drive cars and everything. And I'm just like, well, make no mistake. There are plenty of people in this in this country who would love to see that just with a Christian edge to it in this country. Totally. I mean, there are still churches that require women to wear skirts and not pants. Right. 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 Even in 2022, like. How is that possible? There are churches that require dress code, a certain way to talk. I mean, all the things. They just don't require them to cover their face up and cover their hair, right? But I'm sure there are plenty of men who would absolutely advocate for that because it's women's fault that they are tempted with lust. Right. It's all, it's all uh, our fault. Yes. We're, we're, women are to blame for everything. Everything from the beginning, right? Of humankind, <laughs> right? It's like, oh my gosh, women. Let's, let's disregard the fact that God kept Adam more accountable than Eve. Yeah. Like, like we'll just keep blaming the women. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that's part of the ongoing history, right, of of oppression. Um, you know, it's it any conversations that we've had on race. I mean, you can subtract a, a century on where we're at with women. I mean, what what is what what is it about sex and particularly female sexuality that is that is so threatening uh, for so many people? I mean, I think about, you know. Now, what, almost 40 years ago when Madonna, well, it is when Madonna came out and kind of in the 80s and, you know, kind of the rise of this focus on the family and uh, this kind of conservatism that one I was was allegedly saying, though, we want to be a part of the family. We want to take care of the family. When in reality, that wasn't the case at all, especially if you were a black or brown baby. Um, 
But there was this sense that, you know, I remember the first time Madonna, you know, she was on the MTV Music Awards show the first first time they aired it. You know, she came out in like lingerie and singing and gyrating on stage. I mean, people lost Rolling their shit. Roll it around on the stage. Right, right. People were like, oh, my God, this is Babylon as fuck. Oh, my God, this is crazy. Singing about being a virgin for love. Right, (laughs) right. Like a virgin. And I remember, I remember my cousin, one of my cousins at the time, we were all like these religious people like, oh, I've heard she sleeps with anyone. And I'm like, so again, this sense of, oh, the whore is on the woman, you know. So I don't know. I mean, what what is what have you you know done? Because I know you're still engaged with a lot of stuff in church and 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 ministry type related things. At least I think you are. I don't. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, how what's what are some of those those conversations looking like? And particularly in regards to sex and women's bodies and sexuality. Yeah, um, I do think my involvement is decreasing with the increase of my outspoken. <laughs> I got you. Um, you know, I I think a lot of churches are not inviting me to the conversations um, that are in the camp of that type of mental mode, um, which I'm totally fine with. I I think I think after thirty years, I'm. I'm so tired of this conversation. Like right. I, how can I, how can I still be trying to advocate for my right and deserving of being at the table and not just my right, but all women. Right. Right. Um, how, how is it possible that I, I like a few months ago, I saw a young girl posting about her being a female pastor and like still having to fight for her like validity at you yeah. know the pastor's table in her church. And I'm like, I, I so feel for her. And, you know, I, I was so encouraged that she was just fighting this fight. And I was like, I, I felt my heart was broken that she still had to spend energy on that. And I was like, I don't have any capacity to be doing that fight anymore. Like, I, I'm so done with the church in that way. Um, you know, and I've shared experiences where I've... I've had so many conversations about, I need to wear a skirt. Oh, my skirt is too tight. Oh, my skirt is too short. Oh, I can't wear sleeveless because it's too sexual. There are men who like won't talk to me. And I had a friend, we were at a conference, you know, and he, we, a pastor, a fellow other pastor came to sit. Um, and this, this friend, by the way, had left our co-ministry together. We were doing junior high ministry left okay. because at that time, he could not handle that he was co-pastoring with me, a, a woman. He was a hard, a hardcore John MacArthur fan, uh, oh, advocate um, oh, and oh. fan. He had come around 10 years later, fully repenting, apologizing to me, confessing all of the things. You know, we had really great reconciliation on that. Okay. And then we were sitting at the table eating lunch and, and another male uh, pastor came and sat with us. Didn't acknowledge my presence, just talked to him and engaged. And, you know, I'm just eating my lunch. Um, and he, after the gentleman left, my friend said, so that happens a lot to you, right? And I was like, what happens? And he's like, I mean, he didn't even like acknowledge you. He didn't look at you. And I was like, oh yeah, right. I mean, it was just, I'm so used to it at that point. This is like 15 years in, right? Um, and he was like, so why, why does that happen? I was like, I mean, it could be a number of reasons. He doesn't think that I should be here. He thinks that I'm too pretty and I'm too tempting. He thinks that I'm too like, you know, I'm going to 
like whatever, you know, lure him. I'm not worthy of his time. Like, I mean, there's so many number of things. It's like, I'm too pretty. I'm not pretty. Like women are too pretty, not pretty enough. Women are too loud, not loud enough. Like, oh, if you have a high pitched voice, because I used to preach to deepen my voice so that I could sound more masculine, right? Wow. Um, if your voice is too high, then it's like, oh, you don't have authority and power. Oh, if your voice is too deep and loud, you're too masculine. So like, what is your point? If you're too assertive, then, you know, you're not following God's way of how he designed women. <laughs> if you're too like high pitched, then you're, you don't have good ideas and you're not quite smart and you're just good for cooking and like serving the food. I mean, it's like, there's no win-win. Right. Um, and again, if I like dress in my pantsuit, I'm too masculine and I'm trying to be a man. So what's the point of having a woman on staff when we could just hire a man? If I dress like a woman, Oh, I'm too feminine. I'm too sexy. I'm too tempting for the men. So like, I can't be part of the ta- like conversation I it's just like everywhere right um so it's it's just there will always be an excuse to mm-hmm. not have women and I and I think the most frustrating part is I was telling this to my husband the other day the most frustrating part is even if even if by some crazy miraculous opportunity where the whole entire world globally would be ruled by women right mm-hmm. Their men will never, men will never experience what women have had to go through. Like, because men will never be put in jail for their bodies. Men will never be forced and controlled because of their bodies. Men will never be told, like, if anything, there would be equity and equality if women came to the table. It wouldn't be oppression, right? Yeah. Um, And it kind of pisses me off. Like, my justice-mindedness of, like, not full advocacy justice, but revenge justice, right? We have to distinguish like what type of justice we're talking about. My revenge justice-ness wants men to have a taste of what it's been like, right? Um, And they just never will. They'll never have that opportunity. Um, Just in the same way, like white people will never really have an opportunity to fully understand what it means to be enslaved and marginalized and oppressed. You know, if anything, there will only be equity, which white people think is oppression, right? But it's not. And it's the same with men. Men right now think that equity is oppression. Like I know that in countries where women are becoming more fierce in the work in the work field, um, men are thinking that they're marginalized. Men are thinking that they're oppressed, right? When it's actually equity and and equality, um, and it's it's so frustrating to 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 not have men fully understand what the detriments that they have caused and created and what we're still seeing and that so many men are unable to process their fear and their insecurity and their fragility mm. like fucking go to therapy dude <laughs> every time i watch a crime show or i, wa- I watch any show i was just on a yeah. podcast when i was sharing we we're talking about the godfather and trauma and all this stuff and i was like honestly every tv show wouldn't even need to exist if everyone just fucking went to therapy. Right? Like <laughs> you watch some kind of law and order episode or some kind of other crime drama thing. And it's like, dude has mommy issues. Fucking go to therapy. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. like deal with your mommy issues and then right. Like figure it out. And I'm like, God, so many men with their, with their issues that they have. Um, 
that just won't face it and won't deal with it and blame women that they are having issues. And it's not to say that women are perfect. We're not angelic beings. Like we're, we, there are women who absolutely have done shady things like in our, in our fight to try to gain power and like rights to do certain things. We're as human as everybody else. And yet, right, like, can we actually have an opportunity where we are allowed to show a different way of ruling, show a different way of what it looks like to build community, show a different way by which we can advocate for one another and not have it be a doggy dog capitalistic world where yeah. we're advocating and, and uplifting one another and saying, I don't have to have all the wealth. I want to share my wealth and share opportunity, right? Like, what does that actually look like? where we're not playing the white man capitalistic game. Um, and I, I just would love for more women to have that opportunity. And it's still, you know, like for all of the advancements that we've gone through, we're still so far behind, right? I mean, in the, what, CEO world, how many, what's the percentage still? It's still 6% are only CEOs are women. It's yeah. still all men, still predominantly white men. Um, and when we have one more woman, like, oh, the CEO is like, ooh, so cool. Like, <laughs> all right, y'all want a cookie? Like, the fuck? Right. You know, and so I just would love more women in leadership just so we could start seeing like a different way of doing things. And more women of color in particular, because we all know the problems of, that white women cause. I mean, they're completely complicit in in you know, advancing white cisgender male, you know, power structures, they don't really do anything to dismantle that. And so can we have more women of color in positions of power that, um, and a support system for it, Yeah, not, you know, because you have a woman of color in power and there's nothing there to support her. There's no yeah. allies. There's no, you know, systems and structures that would help support. She's on her own. And then when she fails, it's like, Oh, she wasn't qualified. I'll see. This is why white men are better leaders. And it's like, bitches, y'all, y'all created a whole system <laughs> to support y'all. You need, you need a whole village to make it happen. But apparently women of color, like right. we don't deserve that same village of support. Just well, get the fuck and, out of here. no, absolutely. And I think about it, too. It's like anytime you have a person that's the first in any situation, I mean, the amount of scrutiny and, you know, the the, the amount of microscopic type of analytical madness that is upon them um, is a lot. Right. It's and if yeah. you don't conform to that that narrative it's like when well i don't get many offers now or asks now but it's like you know i was you know it's like whenever a white church wanted me to come and and and, and preach and i'm just like look i'm not so-and-so i ain't gonna name no names uh but i ain't so-and-so you know who i'm talking about and um that's not what I do, right? Like I don't hoop and holler. I don't do the the black thing that y'all are looking for, you know. And and you know, thankfully now I can point people to the podcast. And usually once that happens, people are like, "Oh, I don't I don't ever hear from them again." So, yeah. But that's part of it, right? It's like you get a woman in position. It's like <clears throat> female CEOs. How much of a masculine ideology have they had to adopt just to survive enough to get to that? Just like somebody who's yep. black. Asian, Latinx, 
whatever has had to adopt to get to a point to to be able to pass at that level. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? Yep. And that's for me part of the frustration. And I think that's part of the reason I, you know, I didn't last long as a director over the center because it was just like by that point, I was just I was done with trying to be that model. Um, And that doesn't go over well. Right. It doesn't go over well with white dominant structures. Um, And and that's the same way with a woman who speaks her mind or, or, or is like, no, we ain't going to stand for this shit. Right. Then, you know, like you said, insecure men. And there's a lot of them, uh, particularly cishet men who are just, they've never had to deal with their shit and they've been able to push all that stuff. And religion oftentimes masks that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. How... So what next for you? I, I asked that question because I know you you have a lot more hope than I do. So I, I, I'm curious to know, like, what what next in 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 our in our time and in in hour of uh, of of craziness. Oh, gosh. I'm not quite yet at the giving up, but it, I'm edging and inching closer and closer. The environment. I mean, oh, yeah. Got 15 years possibly if we don't turn this shit around and i'm like what 15 years goes by like that so right right i mean it's been 30 years since i remember coming on to the ministry scene when i got called into ministry and i feel like 30 years has been a blink of an eye how the hell am i going to be 48 next week right like i don't understand this um and so if we've got 15 years I don't even know. Like, and even if say we had 50 years, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'm maybe like, if you, you and I had talked maybe what last year or something, and mm-hmm. I was still 50, 50, I'm definitely, I'm at 70, 30 of burn the church down. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. I have no interest. Um, I still want community. I mean, I mean, COVID was happening. So, but there are a couple of progressive churches around here, especially where I live in the Bay. So I'm, I feel, I feel thankful and grateful that I'm in a space and area that I don't have to be fighting for these things, you know, in the Bay area in California where progressive churches exist and are fully affirming and there are women pastors, um, lead pastors, um, etc. So I, I still want to be in a space of worship where people are gathering and are, are with each other because finding community is hard. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm grateful that I, I now in the age that I'm at, like have people and, and I'm so grateful for social media and for technology that even if I'm not physically in the same city with somebody, I can have daily conversations, you know, with friends, um, and, and have that connection. But it's, I, I feel for my friend, I have a friend in North Dakota right now. She is struggling because it's like Macaville over there. And yeah, she's just, I mean, I'm, I pray for her all the time and I send her encouragement because I'm like, you're in the thick of the battlefield, right? Like, and she's as a woman granted she's a white woman so she's not having to deal with the racist uh, racism element of all of it but 
you know, that she has to hear all of this and try to teach her students, her young students, like what it actually means to find, you know, a source of hope and, and compassion and love. Um, and I don't even want to say truth, right? Because truth is such a relative concept at this point, right? Yeah. Because each person thinks that they have their truth. But like, which is the most compassionate teachings of of Jesus? And Maga, Maga Bill is definitely not teaching any compassion. It's definitely not teaching any love um, or advocacy or any of that stuff. Um, and I have friends from Texas and just all over who are in these very conservative towns and states that I... I might be having a very different, I might, I might be needing a lot of therapy versus right now where I'm in this space of gratefulness that at least in California, we're not dealing with the abortion issue in California. We're not dealing with, you know, certain elements. I'm not saying California is great or perfect. I mean, we definitely have all of the issues, you know, on a micro, on a microaggressive scale. Um, but we're not fighting for our lives in the same sense that those who are in other states like Ohio or Kentucky or whatever are fighting mm-hmm. for. Um, Texas. And I, oh God, and I just don't know. I just don't know if I have any hope. I mean, I think you and I have had conversations about this in past podcast episodes. 300 years is the average time frame of an empire, right? And yeah. after 300 years, that empire is going to fall. That's we're 246 today or yesterday officially is America's 246th birthday. That's 14 years away from 300 and 300 is the average is like the median of how long an empire lasts. Right. And so I think it's like 250 to 300. So we're, we're right around the corner Yeah. and I can't believe it. I, I keep posting it that I didn't never thought in high school when I learned that statistic that empires only last about 300 years. I thought surely America is going to do better because we have all the history. We have all the receipts. We know what to do. We know how to advocate for the poor. We know how to rule in a way that's like not going to strangle humans and have an uprising and, have, and yet, over the last 30 years, here we are. It's been like one after another, the GOP and complicit Democrats, right? And their also desire for power and, and greed in a different way than the GOP. But like there has been a progression of demise of like building towards a demise of our democracy. And so I know January 6th was shocking to white people because they have not been in like the awareness of all of this, um, at least from the last 15 years, I feel like uh, white people in the seventies understood, (laughs) you know, what was the demise that was happening. But from the eighties, when the GOP really switched tactics and they started infiltrating like Christianity and doing prayer breakfasts and, and like marrying Christian Christianity and nationalism together. I mean, it was genius. The Republicans are genius. They are. They are. Yeah. They're really, I, I said this from day one when Obama um, swore into office that day, they were like, it's Obama's fault for this economy. I was like, what? He was one day in office. Like we just got off eight years of W destroyed, like totally destroying the economy day one. Day six one, months oh yeah. later, six months later, people started parroting it. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Mm-hmm. It's Obama's fault. And I'm like, he's been in office six months. Nope. Then it was like everybody who was Republican was like, it's Obama's fault a year later. Right. And I was like, they're, they're geniuses. They've got a That's clear it. message. Yes. Like, I mean, Matt and I, again, my husband, for those of you who are listening, like we talk about this, like if you looked at Occupy Wall Street, right, they had a 50 point like demand list. That's a good marketing strategy. Like that, you know, the GOP, they got three, they got three right. marketing strategy, babies, guns, and Jesus, right? Right. Or they might have four, babies, guns, gays, and Jesus. That's, That's the four. It, right. That's yeah. Four point PowerPoint. And they've been writing that four point PowerPoint for 50 years. Yes. <laughs> like 50 yes. years. Yes. And they're geniuses. Meanwhile, Democrats can't get their shit together. What are we all about? We've got a hundred point list of things. And it's like, what? We're like lost level Game of Thrones level, Westworld level demands. Like, yep. so what happened last season? And what happened? Exactly. <laughs> what is the Democratic Party actually wanting? We don't know. What no, do Republicans yeah. want? Babies, guns, gays, and Jesus. Everybody knows that, right? I'm <laughs> telling you. Knows. I'm telling No, that's, yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> It's a good word. I've been saying that for a while. It's like, you know, Democrats yep. can't or just liberals in general, the left in general can't yep. galvanize itself around, you know, certain key areas enough to move anything forward. Yep. Um, and you're right. I mean, when it comes to religious ideology, uh, ideology around morals and ethics and this is the right thing that we should be doing. Right. You know, it's like people, of course, people are always going to try to side with, quote unquote, whatever we think is the quote right yeah. thing to do. Um, and you know, the GOP has been very, very good at creating those images for people. Um, and they know most people aren't going to go read. They're going to believe whatever is they're told in, you know, in a particular, you know, pundit or whatever and stuff. People like, I mean, yesterday I was again, having a conversation with someone that, you know, I remember in psych class in college, uh, my professor was sharing how 80% of human population does not grow out of phase two adolescence. And I mean, I remember when I was hearing that, I don't know if the stats are still true. It was talking about four phases of human development. Um, and, but I, I think of that frequently when I think of Christians in particular, mm-hmm. they're a bunch of adolescents. They want things to be simplistic so that they could regurgitate these points. Their GOP points are very regurgitatable. Yes. Um, and and people are busy, they're lazy, they're tired. They don't want to have to deal with this. And nuance right. and liminal liminality, like we have dumbed down people so much that and with advertising with marketing with you know the speed of which things are we want and i'm i'm complicit in it i want a headline i want to read through it within five minutes right um Uh, and it takes me mental intentionality to start digging and researching and like actually understanding what are the issues that are happening um and and that's hard work and people don't want to do that hard work if i wasn't in academic circles, if I was just an accountant somewhere, I don't think that I would know all of the the issues. I have a friend, she is very loving and compassionate and very much wanting change to happen, but she's starting to embark on racial issues 
She's been working in the tech industry for 20 years. She has not done any reading on any of this. And so in my mind, you know, I'm like, here's where my hope is, I guess, is my punchline. In my mind, we have been, you know, talking about this for such a long time. And me, as far as racial issues, I've only been talking about it for 15 years, maybe um, at the most, right? Some of y'all have been talking about this for even longer than that. I've been talking about women issues for 30 plus years. Um, And some folks have been talking about it a lot longer than that, right? Um, And I feel like how can everybody should know this? It's at our fingertips. And yet I talked to my girlfriend who's in the tech industry and wanting to create change. She's in marketing and she's asking questions that I'm like, oh, there's so much that she doesn't know. And she's advocating to know. She's advocating to learn. And so I'm giving her books, books that we read a very long time ago, right? Um, And there's so much. And I'm like, this is why companies and corporations and people and like all of this stuff, you know, does not get, does not get passed around, does not get taught all of the things. And, and, and we think that we don't have to keep repeating. This is one of the things I think at the, toward the end of youth ministry, I was getting tired because first of all, my personality, I don't like repeating myself. Um, (laughs) That's just my part of my personality, but like to understand that the new generation needs the same teaching, which is crazy. Like how can there be a Gen Z a group of kids who don't think that Helen Keller existed and that that's some crazy false fictional story. How can there be so many Gen Zers who don't think that the moon landing is real? How can there be so many Gen Zers who think that the earth is flat? Like what the fuck have we been doing? Right? Like how is this not a given? I mean, but there's, you know, like there's a certain element that we're not repeating teaching history. We're not repeating and there's not an eyewitness um, account. And so like the Holocaust is absolutely going to happen again because all of the survivors are dead and, you know, or most, you know, majority of what, like 1% are still alive now. I mean, they're 110 oh, at this less point. Than right? That. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and Germans are still like, there are a huge group of Germans that are still claiming that the Holocaust was fake, right? And there are definitely white supremacist groups in the U.S. and all across the globe that are claiming that the Holocaust was fake. And at this point, how do we, without actual witnesses saying that here are my scars, here are my tattoos, that like you could carbon date like the when the ink was or whatever like we don't have actual witnesses and so without that we could have a whole generation because i asked this about interstellar too you know like how can there be a group in the movie of interstellar where the moon landing didn't exist right they mm-hmm. they, they all they think it's fake humankind across the globe thinks it's fake and nobody cares because they're dealing with like shortage of food and shortage of all these things and i'm like i don't understand right and like people who are moon landing people i'm like you just look through a telescope and you just you can see the flag (laughs) you can see the flag on the moon right and yet that that people will in their minds humans because humans and their memories are crazy flawed and you know the way our brains work will say well that was somehow doctored or faked right um and that blows my mind that i'm at the age now where i'm starting to see the truths that we grew up with that we lived through are now because that's how many years it has passed 40 years that it's not even a hundred years passing. I mean, when there were bills being passed to remove 
the powers of monopolies, right? That all were set up because of the crash of 1920s. It's, I was like, it's not even a hundred years yet. And we're, we're removing policies that we put into place so that we would never have that happen again. And because of power and greed, like with the fact that we're removing those, I, I just, I don't understand it. My mind cannot comprehend that. And that there's a whole group of people that are like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. How is it going to be fine? Like we're just basically, and this is why humans repeat themselves. And even in scripture, I'm like, oh, this is why Paul repeated himself over and over again. Like circumcision is not required. Circumcision is not required. This is why Jesus died. This is why Jesus rose again from the dead. Circumcision is not required. And it's like, why did he have to repeat himself so much? Because humans are freaking stubborn assholes. You said a lot in that. I I think my mind gets to thinking a bunch about a bunch of different things. Um, uh, oh my gosh and i you know, for sake of time but man i yes yes to all of that because i think that we also have a generation and i don't want to like bomb on gen z or whatever but i, no. I also think that this is I also don't even gen- think it's on gen z i don't think it's on gen z no it's, it's not us. it's not it, it right exactly because the people who, who are the gatekeepers the teachers the people who run aspects of the internet google facebook all that are people like around are you right so exactly. And so I, I think about that and I think about to a generation that has been raised and cultivated completely online like this. And, and the pandemic only forced that even more um, to the point that folks, that's how they communicate now. Right. It's a whole different era. And you're, you're absolutely right that there is a sense of loss. There is a sense of history is forgotten because if it doesn't fall into that nine day media cycle we'll we've forgotten it most people have forgotten trayvon martin most people have forgotten george floyd they're yeah. like george floyd oh yeah well we fixed that right we got the officer got you know he, he went to jail so we're done let's what's next right. um and so I don't know. There is something about that, and you, 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 you hit on a whole bunch of different things on that. So yeah, there's there's a lot to say on that. Other than that, I, 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 go ahead. And there's something to be said for information overload. I feel absolutely it, right. Absolutely. And so like that, uh, even the fact that I mean, we had. It's not to say that we didn't have mass shootings happen, but that there weren't headlining mass shootings for a week and a half. I felt like, oh, okay. I didn't have to like be in PT, like trauma mode of like, you know, what's happening now, right? I, I, it's like there's too much information accessible. So it's on the one hand, the internet and like all of this is so great because there's so much out there to help you grow and learn. Right. But on the other hand, it's too much. There's not any space to breathe, to sit in and let that, that, that information like process in our minds it's too much and then on top of that we have entertainment on top of that we have like more humans on top of that like just it's too much stimulation and there's not enough pacing by which we can sit and say oh i remember when that happened like you said there's too much information overload and so even i think that's why too it feels like 30 years was so short time ago whereas in the past 30 years would have felt like a lifetime ago, right? And I'm coming upon my sixth year of marriage. I feel like I got married last year. Like Mm -hmm. so much has happened both in my personal life as well as in the world, as well as in my communities. Like there's just been so much on a daily basis 
that there has been no room to breathe of just sitting and, and saying, like, it's just wake up, hit the ground running, go to sleep as late as possible because you have too much information to take in. Go to sleep, wake up, hit the ground running, go again. Like, right. And if you have kids, exponential, like even worse. Um, and if you are a kid, you are in this, like, there's too much to learn. There's too much history to learn. There's too much current events to learn. There's just too much. And there's not any space to sit and breathe on that. There's like, and yet at the same time, kids are like, I'm bored. Cause like, (laughs) it's a weird, it's a weird, yeah. Like, antithetical-ness of like too much stimulation, too many options. It's like you can't choose something on Netflix. You can't choose something on like Spotify or Hulu because like there's too much music and too much, too many things to watch. So versus like cable and those of you who are younger who are listening and don't probably didn't have no idea what cable is, but like basically program television where it's fed to you. It's given to you and you have no choice. You're like, oh, I'm going to watch whatever X movie is on right now because that's the only choice that I have. Right. Versus right now you sit on Netflix and you like scroll through 1000 things and you're like, I I don't know, I can't choose. And so then you're like, I guess I'll choose this, but it's not really the thing that I wanted. And there's this dissatisfaction and boredom that exists because there's too many choices. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's this weird, there's this weird element that it's, we're in this very strange transitional we are phase of society and we life are. and humanity um, that that I'm going to say evil people that greedy people and power mongering people are completely taken advantage of, which that always happens. Right. Like Murdoch in all of his awfulness is genius. Like he created the world that is Fox News, that is all yeah. of this propaganda stuff yeah. and gotten wealthy off of it because he knows human condition. Um, and that it worked is just crazy to me, but it works, right? If right. if I was in the room where Murdoch was going to pitch that we're going to sell this and it's going to work, I would be like, people are smarter than that. And apparently, no, they so are not. <laughs> right. <laughs> Woo, Irene. Wow, there is a lot there. That's a whole nother episode on on <laughs> that, especially with some of the stuff that I've been reading in regards to just the lifetimes of civilizations and, and, and some part of the, 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 the human project in terms of looking at, you know, the last, I don't know, 15,000 years of, of human civilizations and, you know, what's caused them to rise. There's also another uh, a book out there by uh, Howe and Strauss who, you know, they, you know, they wrote Millennials Rising, but there's another book they talk about it. What is it? The the fourth turn. Have you read that? It's an older, oh, it's, a, it's an older read and they talk about how things are cyclical and uh, it pretty much everything you just got through talking about is, is essentially what they are arguing uh, in their text and you know about how we do we forget and it's like the old saying of like what is it they say weak people it gives rise to you know like dictators which then gives rise to uh, strong people you know which then gives rise to people who are like ah you know just take it for granted and stuff and i you know when people talk about oh the greatest generation it's just like man i don't yeah, I don't know. I, and, and there is something about the concept and culture of comfort. And I want everything handed to me. I want everything now. I want everything. And and I don't know what to trust. That's the yeah. other thing, right? It's like, I don't know what we, we've yeah. lost a baseline for what truth is or what we find our facts. Yeah. Um, whoo, 
You said a lot. You said a lot. Yeah. You said a lot. Yeah. And I, I, okay, this is this is this is good. This is good stuff. We don't have to come back to that. Put a uh, <laughs> put a thumbtack in that, and we're gonna have to come back uh, to that. Uh, 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 Irene, the futurologist, Cho. Right, this is <laughs> this is really good. Um, thank you for taking the time out oh, and uh, breaking shit down like this. This is this was really good. It's too much happening in the world, yo. It's a it's lot. A lot. It is. It is. It's very much so. It's very much so. And you can't go anywhere, even if you say, "Oh, well, I'm just going to go watch something." Well, right. But you still have to log on to to the system. You still have to log on to Skynet yep. in some in some regard. Yep. <laughs> you no. Know? Yeah. Oh, and God forbid that system goes down. I mean, our, our students almost lost their minds when the internet was out for uh, a day on campus. I lose my mind. I I'm do like, too. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Like, yeah. Yeah. I I still. I mean, I I make such intentional effort to not have my phone. But then I'll go downstairs to pick up food. And I'm like, shit, I left my phone upstairs. I'm literally going down the elevator to get food. Why do I need my phone? And right. yet I'm like, oh, I need my phone. <laughs> like whatever emergency reason. And I'm like so stupid. I can't sit in the elevator for 14 flights of, you know, floors. It's just, and right. just sitting there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. And it's like a 40 second ride down the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I think about it. I think about that. Um, it's powerful stuff. The only difference, the only difference, right, is like we are seriously potentially at the demise because of technology and and waste and environmentalism. Like mm -hmm. it's a whole different other question in regards to are we seriously at the end, um, and what is what is a reset going to look like if we all blow ourselves up? Right. I don't even know which rendition of Earth this possibly could have been. If we're gonna have a big god and or as my husband likes to say, big alien, if there's such a thing, um, is there another reset that might happen? It's gonna be really fascinating when the glaciers melt. Are we gonna find plastics below? Does that mean we've had a reset? Like I don't. Who's gonna know what we're gonna find down there, right? Right. Um, and right. what reiter what iteration of Earth version this is? Um, but. Yeah. I mean, again, scripturally speaking, if we're going to talk from a Christianese like language um, or verbiage, like, you know, this is why if I were God, I don't like repeating myself. You know, God's like, oh, gosh, this is like the 230,000th version and right. humans are still the same. Reset like it's a good place. Right. Just a reset again. Start a whole new earth again. Well, well, I mean, they even they even mess with that on the series Supernatural, right? I mean, the Godheads or whoever was the angelic hosts were saying like, this isn't the first cosmic enema that we've done before. So it's just like, look, just get on right. board and let us, you know, let us have this out. Let us kill who's ever going to be killed, and we'll start over again and stuff. And that, I've been saying that for a while. I and mean, the deeper I get into to looking at, you know, where we could be, and who's to say. 2,000 years from now or 10,000 years from now, right? There's not another range of, of humans looking at it and be like, man, I can't believe we're the only humans in history that have ever had this type of technology. And I can't, how did they create these big buildings 10,000 years yeah. ago, you know? And yeah, so. Yeah. I played Ooh. this video game called Horizon Zero Dawn um, and it's expanded into Horizon Forbidden West. It's on PlayStation 5. And it's talking about that, like an apocalypse is like 500 years later and like there are ancient 
people or whatever. And it's like the reset of all humanity after right. apocalyptic right. element that happened. It's really cool, but it'd be interesting what it would look like to have a certain group of human survivors. And then the rest of the globe has just imploded. That's what uh, our waste. Yeah, no, well, that's what H.G. Wells talks about. Right. And, you know, in, in the time traveler, right. right. It's like, you know, you go far enough right. ahead you know, and even the entities, you know, years ahead. And he was just like, well, who are you to argue with 1200 years of of uh, uh, of evolution? Like how, you know, how are you to know yes. that this is not the next iteration of life on this planet? So yeah. anyways, that is a whole, like I said, those are the conversations that we, we, we got to put a, a, a whole <laughs> pin in there. Because that's some shit right there that I'm talking about. Because that's, yeah. Whew. Thank you, Irene. I love you. You're always, you're just always on my heart.